Hello, this is Andrew Scott. We're here back with another episode in the Frodo Got Lost podcast. And my my co-host is... Analia Poppin. <laughs> and we're going to be discussing um, something else in this one. We're going to be discussing race in Tolkien's works. So to start off our discussion, I'm just pretty much going to go over some, some of the source material and basically what Peter Jackson and all the producers had to work with when they were making the movies. So when it comes to race in the source material, um, I'll start off with the first race, we'll go with men, and they're never explicitly listed as dark-skinned outside of the main characters, and they're pretty much presumed to be white. Like, for example, like, they, they never said, like, all men are white, or these men are white, but it does say that the Easterlings, who were of the East, were of the darker skin, and they happen to be one of the antagonists as well. But all the main characters that are pretty much written about are presumed to be white. Now, next we have the hobbits, who are pretty much exactly like the men. They're never explicitly described as white, but they are assumed to be. And I'll go over why they're assumed to be at the end after all the uh, all the races. But um, they, yeah, they're like the, they're like the men. But they, there's no Easterlings. There's no there's no like I don't think a single dark-skinned hobbit has ever been described at all. So then we have the elves, and they are actually, they are described as fair-skinned, and they are like humans in appearance, but honestly, Tolkien more so emphasizes that they are immortal creatures, they're prideful, they're isolationists, like, they're they're not so much uh, described with their physical characteristics as much as they are how elves generally are, which would be, you know, stubborn pride prideful they never really help people (laughs) which is pretty much like the main reason that they're the bad guys in the hobbit like because they never came to the dwarves aid and when they needed them they weren't there and that's why dwarves hate the elves in that movie speaking of the dwarves their skin color too is uh, not stated but like all the other ones they're assumed to be white and the reason all these races are assumed to be white is because it, Tolkien wrote these wrote these books. He wrote this entire world. He was from England. He was white himself, and so he he writes this book, right? And, and so it's it's sort of not like like kind of what you would expect from him, but he writes this, and you know he's surrounded by white people. He doesn't write it like an allegory, so he just really just like writes like any uh, any old European tale where most of the characters are of lighter complexion. Now there is one race on Middle-earth that you could say he does describe as dark-skinned and that is the orcs and some argue that their features even resemble that of the caricature person of color in our society which has been a major area of criticism of his works. In fact there's an article that is titled Dear Tolkien Fans Black People Exist and that's pretty much the entire basis of the article is talking about how Tolkien wrote this, and it can be taken pretty pretty harshly, like against black people. It's it's not very inclusive book, but part of the reason of that is because it was written 
like mid 1900s and it was written in a European setting so you don't exactly see some of that diversity that you might see in modern day books or films. So now moving on to the cinematic adaptation of the Lord of the Rings, we'll start off with the original movies, which largely followed the source material. Peter Jackson, you know, when he started like directing the movie, he made a like sort of conscious decision that he was either going to stray from the source material and you know from if you're going to stray from the source material then you can pretty much have whatever cast you want of whatever characters you can modify the races to fit whatever needs you need to but he instead chose to go directly for the source material and he pretty much cast white actors for every role besides those of the orcs and the easterlings which were described above like that's pretty much you know on par or like with the source material Do you agree? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I kind of like wanted to add that I think the reason that there's such an issue is that, of course, the character that he does, like the characters that he does describe as dark-skinned are the ones that have the most inhumane character description. So it does like have that connection to like slavery and stuff and like not and like inhumanizing them so i think that that is where like the issue mostly stems from but peter jackson does follow the source material because these descriptions of these characters are originally from tolkien and peter jackson does follow it very very closely in the depictions and descriptions of these characters and that's a good point of view i actually have a quote from the book where i'd have to say just First off, I agree with the orcs. Like, there's no real redeeming qualities of an orc. They're brutish. They are servants of Sauron. I think it's, like, revealed in the book that they are, like, they're kind of enslaved by Sauron. So it's not like they're making conscious decisions to be evil. But their sort of race is, you know, kind of is evil. Like, the orcs are the bad guys. Um, but uh, in, concern, in concerning the Easterlings, there's actually a quote in the book um, by Sam where he is viewing the battle of men against men. And basically, the Easterlings have joined forces with Sauron and they are fighting against, I think it was the Dunedain Rangers, which are the good guys. It says, it goes, it was Sam's first view of a battle of men against men, and he did not like it much. He was glad that he could not see the dead face. He wondered what the man's name was and where he came from. And if he was really evil of heart, or what lies or threads had led him on the long march from his home, and if he would have really have stayed there in peace. And I think we actually do see this scene in the movie where... Uh, there's the guys on the elephants, the elephant things. They they come in and they get ambushed by these rangers, these men that are like really good with the bow. And Sam and Frodo are kind of just caught up in it because they were just happened to be at the place. And then out of nowhere, this guy like falls. He got shot by an arrow. He falls right in front of Sam. And so this is probably where Sam's little internal dialogue would have come in. But in the movie, it's kind of hard to show that. But I just wanted to put that in from the book because it kind of shows you how, you know, orcs didn't really have many redeeming qualities other than the fact that they were, you know, enslaved against their will. But the Easterlings, you know, it makes you wonder, like, you know, what made them come here or... Is that how it's like at their home? Are they just like anybody else? And for reference, the the Easterlings, they are the people that would be dark-skinned in Tolkien's books. Yeah, I mean, 
I was just thinking back to in the movies when um, Saruman makes orcs from elves, how they used to be elves, which is just so interesting because elves are seen as these fair-skinned, and then they, like, turn, like, black, you know what I mean, dark-skinned, becoming orcs, which is just such a complex thing to really comprehend is like how like the race changes they were once elves those like that like form of orcs yeah and i think what you're refer- referring to is the urukai which are basically like just the better orcs and i think do you remember like the saruman who's explaining to warm warm tongue or whatever he's saying oh these are no orcs these are urukai you know used to be elves mm-hmm. but the thing is like I'm pretty sure that that was, like, created by Peter Jackson to explain the Urukai's dominance, but I'm not exactly sure if Tolkien meant it to be that way. But, I mean, all things aside, that is another... That's a good point, because it's, like, do when elves turn bad, do they just turn black? And, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, I'm kind of moving on. Kind of, we're actually probably going to finish up the original movies. Um, Peter Jackson, you know, he stayed true to the source material, which was to the delight of fans of Tolkien. People who liked Tolkien's works, who have read his books, they were hoping for an adaptation that was, you know, true to what they read. You know, every, everybody reads a book once to see a movie that was true to what they read. You know, Harry Potter, you know, I, I read all those books as a kid. Going to the movies, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I, I'd be really mad if they went away from that source material. Yeah, literally. But the thing is, um, yeah, Peter Jackson, you know... He, 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 you got to give him credit for what he did with this horse material. There just wasn't really a lot of room for him. I mean, we talked about gender in the last episode. There's just not really a lot of room for him to put these characters in when they're just not really in the books to begin with. So that moves us on to the Hobbit trilogy, which followed a similar strategy to the, to the originals. And, I mean... I can't think of any characters. Can you? No, I can't think of a single one off of my thoughts. Yeah, like in fact, if I had to, like, the only thing that I would say they improved upon in The Hobbit was, you know, the addition of Toriel, a female elf. But mm-hmm. this is an episode about race. So we, I mean, in terms of race, I don't think there was really anything that was um, expanded upon or made better in terms of having a diverse cast. I mean, they just stick, they stay true to the source material. And this, this is kind of where you can see, like, so fans of the original series defended it because, you know, no, the, it was just like the source material. If you're going to attack the series, you're going to attack the source material. So a lot of them were getting really defensive of Tolkien, you know, bringing up everything. But a lot of fans actually didn't like The Hobbit. I mean, did you like The Hobbit? No, I, I think maybe I liked one scene. But that was about it. Like, I think that The Hobbit was so CGI'd, it kind of ruined it. I mean, like, that's on another point, is that they focused on CGI and graphics so much. I think it took away a lot from the storyline, so it really underdeveloped a lot of characters, which, I mean, that's really sad. Yeah, and I actually, that was just about to bring up that a lot of fans thought that it was... It relied, it was excessive CGI, and the movie, honestly, I mean, you mentioned in the last episode, there was three books for the original uh, original trilogy, there's actually only one Hobbit book, so all three of those movies come from the source material of one book, whereas in the trilogy, you know, it goes book to book. 
But in the early production of Lord of the Rings, it was actually supposed to be just one book for the original trilogy. They were going to have, or not one book, sorry, one movie. They were going to have one movie for all three books. And that was actually really, uh, really challenging, as you can imagine. It's a, it's a huge world that you're trying to put on screen. But the thing is, with The Hobbit, I mean, it's one book. Do you really have to put it into three movies? And a lot of fans thought that that was kind of like milking the franchise. You know, like, you made a lot of money with the original trilogy, so now you're going to make three movies for The Hobbit. Personally, you know, it, um, I I liked it. You know, I like, I'm like. i a fan of Lord of the Rings. Uh, I do think that they used excessive CGI. I mean, there's one character... I multiple characters there's all like really pure CGI and I can imagine that the 12 dwarves I mean one of them's got an axe sticking out of his head I'm sure that's probably some sort of CGI but when his uncle came in on the on the board to save him and you look at his face and it's literally straight out of a video game you're like you couldn't just like casted someone for that role well, I think that probably the biggest setback with doing this is that by stretching one book into three movies, when they did go to add in characters, like, they fell so flat because they weren't Tolkien's characters. The characters that they got from Tolkien's works were so well developed because Tolkien wrote them. Tolkien created these characters. They were a work of art. Like, he was very, very descriptive in his character descriptions and his world building. And when you add in a character, like Peter Jackson did, they underdeveloped these characters. Like, and it just fell flat where you feel like you're just watching like a paper. <laughs> yeah. You know, like 2D. Well, the reason I bring all this up is because fans had kind of religiously defended the original series, you know. But then you come to The Hobbit and, you know, those fans, if, if the fans don't like your movie, they're not going to be defending you against people who are saying something like Tolkien was racist. I mean, if you said that, if you said so that, if you said that about Tolkien to a Lord of the Rings fan after the release of the three original movies, they would have been they would have been on you. Heated. They would have been heated, yes. So there's one final thing I want to bring up about the Hobbit trilogy, and this actually, in my opinion, is probably like one of the most important things in this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Is actually when a casting director for The Hobbit was fired for turning away a woman of Pakistani descent for being, quote, too dark to play a Hobbit. He also placed an advertisement in a New Zealand newspaper seeking extras with, quote, light skin tones. So this is pretty serious, in my opinion. It's, it's And I think he actually had a quote after the fact, you know, his, his statement. He said, he's like, I'm sorry, man, you just got to look the part. Like, it's like, it'd be like, you know, asking, like, looking for some Superman and then hiring a black person to do it. Like, that was kind of what he saw it. Now, I mean, we could have a black Superman. That would be... The thing is, it's like... Well acceptable. Yeah, the thing is, it's like, you know, in today's society, it's not so cut and dry as you're too dark to play a hobbit or you're too dark to play a Superman. It's more so, like, how far are you willing to go with it? And that's the sort of thing, you know, you look at that for the hobbit and then you're like, yep, they definitely... I mean, this is just what they got caught for. Yeah. Imagine what was going on behind the scenes when they are like, you know, you could have had... You know, Pakistani descent people that were going to, that actually were able to audition, but were they ever even considered? Yeah, no, and I think that probably the biggest issue I have with this is that the Lord of the Rings original trilogy was following so close to the source material to where it did not differ. This series, this next Hobbit trilogy, 
was so far from the source material because they were stretching one book into three movies, they were adding in tons of scenes, tons of characters, and they couldn't have added in someone of a different skin tone. Like, it, they, ha they cannot even use the argument that they're following the source material anymore because of how far they differed from the original one Hobbit book. Yeah. Well, that's probably going to bring us away from The Hobbit. Um, like I said, I mean, in summary, both of those sort of movie series were just following the, following the source material and in the source material as we went ahead, we, as we went over in the beginning. You know, there's just not a lot of roles that can be filled by, a, say, a black actor when everybody is assumed to be white. And the people that are assuming them to be white are really, you know, all the fans, all, like, the people who are reading this and it's because they're reading this as if it's some sort of European folklore which I mean they could be that's not too far off I mean he, he wrote it in Europe I mean you can probably base off a lot of his stuff based off of what you might find in European folklore so but that brings us away from in in the next sort of installment of the Lord of the Rings we see the Rings of Power which was made by Amazon it's got a lot of money behind it and and when you watch the originals and The Hobbit, the first thing you're going to notice the difference is you've got a very diverse cast and the source material is very loosely followed. Nil. Like, nearly gone. Time frame nowhere to be seen. Like, for reference, I guess we could say this. Um, the main events that kind of set the stage for the first movies, the... Was it the? I mean, we could say the creation of the ring. Then they have the war, and then they end up defeating Sauron, and then the ring remains, and you know, goes from person to person. Bull, you know, basically what the set the stage for the first movie. But so this, this story takes place many many years before that. You know, like ages before that, and the guy. This is what's. This is gonna sound crazy. The guy who kills Sauron and takes the ring is also alive before the creation of said ring. So there is a 1500 year difference. The rings were forged in 1500 and Isildur, who he's talking about, was born in late 3000. <laughs> so this guy that was born and defeated Sauron is years and years old and he's a mere man yeah so maybe like living the same kind of lifespan that me and you have like that is how messed up the timeline i mean he was from numenor and the men of numenor were like gifted with the elves they have a longer life so you know if he if they had maybe stretched it a little bit you would have been like okay you know he's from numenor he, he's gonna live a little bit longer but that thousands of years or hundreds of years no definitely out of so so the, like any and the thing is, is like that's not even just like some some like underground fact that your average Tolkien fan no your average Tolkien fan is gonna hear that word hear the name is Sealdor when you're in the when the rings of power and you're like wait a minute the same one who defeated Sauron so many years later and like in the freaking original movies they're gonna they're they're gonna put two and two together well I had the biggest issue with them telling us that Gladriel's husband was dead and he literally is in the original trilogy and he dies in the rings of power like it follows that like that strongly away from it yeah and Honestly, when I heard that, when I heard that in the in the series, I thought that she maybe thought he was dead. But I mean, they've given no 
no indication that he is actually alive. So mm-hmm. that is, it's just all of these things really are just showing you that this this series is kind of based off of themes of Tolkien's works. Not exa- like they're not they're not. I mean, for example, in the last section, we were talking about a scene where Sam's looking at a dead guy and wondering, you know, if he's actually evil. There's that scene is literally in the movie. So like, if they're gonna get a detail that small into the movie, you know, that's pretty dang close to the source material. And then you look at this one where it's like you've got such crazy chronological plot holes and stuff. You, you kind of can't take them both for the same thing. So. I guess we can talk about the importance of why it being so far from the source material is important in this conversation about race. And honestly, you know, chiefly, if you're going to be true to the source material, yeah, you got to follow kind of what was assumed to be the races of the peoples in the books. But if you're off the source material, it can, that be, much. it can be whatever you want. Like, you could have Aaron Deer, who is a badass elf, who is a mixed actor, and, you know, you'd think you wouldn't have any problems with it because you're so off source material to begin with. But the problem is, really, is that Tolkien fans don't... If, you're, if they don't like the series... First off, because it's so far from the source material, it's hard to it's hard to watch all these movies that were made before it and be like, oh, that was nice. That reminds me of the books, you know. And then you watch this series and you're like, that is nothing like what I thought it would be. So you already have uh, fans coming in here thinking that it's not, you know, on too too par with their expectations of source material, and now they have to deal with the diverse cast that they were not met with in the last two previous movies. So what that kind of sets it kind of sets you up for failure when you're trying to appease the Tolkien fans in my opinion. You know, like how are you supposed to win over Tolkien fans if you if like I think about it this way, like if you screw up the source material, then you better have their vision of the perfect cast, but when you screw up both People are going to hate it, which is why when you go and look at some reviews, you will see that people hate this thing. Like, it's got, like, a three stars out of five. <laughs> and the thing is, some people just flat out didn't even try to watch it. They're just leaving a bad review because they hate they hate how far, quote, wokeness has taken us in, you know, like, changing stories that have already been written. But then you have some people that are actually Tolkien fans, open-minded. They like some stuff, but the stuff they didn't like had really nothing to do with the diversity. It was all source material. Yeah, no, I I did, however, find a lot of a lot of posts on Reddit because that's where a lot of Tolkien fans go to rant. Is they were also ranting about how woke it was and that he specifically described his characters as light skinned in a lot of it, and that because all of the original like trilogies and The Hobbit they followed that race, like they refused to watch the show because of it because it was that far away. Yeah, my brother is, is my older brother is in fact one of those people. In fact, I mean, I kind of was to begin with. I mean, I just thought that they were really messing up something that was kind of like done. Like, I mean, you had, you had The Hobbit, you had the original series, and I mean, if anything, you'd make a sequel. But I think it was, it was a good idea to go off of the Silmarillion. I mean, there's still stuff there, but then you just don't even go off of it and you just use themes. It kind of, like, sets, like, again, like I said, sets you up for failure. But it is important, and as you were saying with the, uh, with the gender podcast, you know, they did make some strides, maybe not in the source materials direction, but 
they had a very diverse cast where, like I was mentioning with Aaron Deere, his role in the things is as an elf who is, uh, I think he's like a Sylvian elf. And like his race has absolutely nothing to do with his ability or his role in the story. Like he's the badass elf who saves, what's his name? That one, who's, who's Bronwyn's kid? Um, Bronwyn. Theo. Theo, Theo. Bronwyn's kid. He's getting chased by some orcs who, and we'll actually talk about the orcs too. Orcs in the original series and all that, they were like dark to the max. Like they really took that. But in the new series, you just see him as kind of like misshapen creatures who are humanoid but evil. And they're all, they're wearing all sorts of like you know, ragged clothes, sharp and jagged. And so you see them as these kind of evil creatures that are not humane, but you don't, you don't tie it to any skin color. You don't, like that, that thought never even crosses your mind. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I, I do agree. And that's actually, honestly, I'll say one thing. That is a step up from The Hobbit, where The Hobbit, I mean, the thing is you wouldn't even see an orc. Like, the only times you would see an orc were like the main character, and then you'd see this army of orcs that were just like one little bit of CGI, and they had no, no real depth to them. But they did, I mean, when you have that much money behind your series, it's hard not to bring some, or get some actual actors playing orcs. So I think, you know, if we're gonna be talking about diversity, Rings of Power far excels in comparison to the other sets in the franchise. Um, I'll make some more, some more, you know, notable mentions in here. The Harfoots, who are really actually only ever like mentioned like in passing in the Silmarillion are they're they're the ancestors of the hobbits like the people who came before them but they are like much more diverse than the hobbits you see in the Shire in both the original and the prequel series I mean in the Shire it's like it's like Whiteville just white <laughs> Whiteville but then you go to the Harfoots and then you, the thing is it's not like they're like they're like it's not like they're the, like the they, lead guy is black yeah and, the but the thing is it's not like they took all the white Hobbits from like we're just gonna make them black no they just have a, a diversity that you kind of maybe notice a little bit but after that it's like it just seemed like it's normal well it looks like, like it looks like normal society it's a normal little community which, you know, is, I mean, who cares? You know, like, it's maybe, like, some die, diehard Tolkien fans might care, but the thing is, is Harfoots aren't, like, a serious thing. They're, like, something that was, that could be built on. Like, the thing, the thing with the Silmarillion is, it's a lot of things that can be built on, which is why, I mean, I think, I mean, if you try to do what they did to the Silmarillion to any other of the books, it would have failed. It would have, like, flopped. But, I mean, this is, this is vague on purpose. But the... The story really got backlash from Tolkien fans, but it did get praise from others. I mean, my dad is a big Tolkien fan, probably even more so than me. He's read everything, and he said that he enjoyed it. But it just really depends on how you approach the book. Um, like, if you approach it with an open mind, you're, you're going to be... You're going to be... I think you would be pleasantly surprised with what they did. I enjoyed it. But if you approach it with a closed mind, you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to see Galadriel and you're going to be like, who is this? Like, this is not Galadriel. <laughs> yeah. Or you're going to see Erendir and you're going to be like, who is that? Anyway, I think that'll wrap it up about for the race. But now we're going to bring it all together. We're going to talk about really race and gender now that we've kind of covered both of them separately. So do you want to start? I mean... 
bring it all together, we can see that there there is an issue with race and gender in the original movie. So when you especially compare it to now, and now bringing in the stuff about the source material, is that like Peter Jackson tried to follow very, very closely to the source material, but when he did stray from it, he failed immensely with females. Like what he did do to add it was like, you just made the character flat again. Like you didn't add any depth to the character. Like. Like Eowyn, I mean Arwen, with Arwen when he added her in and made her a love interest and then did nothing with her character. Like, if you're going to stray from the source material, you might as well make some sort of contribution. But, I mean, it's just really, really hard when you look at the original stuff because there were women. It, there wasn't people of other races in the show, but there were like three women characters who you know their names. Like, that's about all you really know about them is their names. And, I mean, Eowyn had the big quote, I am no man. But, like, that's the one thing I really remember about her off the top of my head is they just aren't memorable characters. And they were carrying women on their back the entire show in, like, Lord of the Rings adaptation of women. So. Yeah. And honestly, like, when I was thinking about this, you know, putting it all together, I started thinking about Peter Jackson. I did a little bit of research into him making the films. And the thing is, he was kind of fighting an uphill battle, like, between him and the person, I think it was Harvey Weinstein, who was, like, sponsoring it all, like, the guy, the basically the guy above Peter Jackson, he kept turning down, like, all of his ideas. Like, he was, like, Peter Jackson was lucky to get out with three movies when Harvey Weinstein was telling him, you need to do one. It was just really probably impossible. But the thing is, like, I, I, you know, I give Peter Jackson some credit because I think that he was making a name for The Lord of the Rings in cinema. And, I mean, because now, I mean, you slap Lord of the Rings on anything and it'll probably be popular. I mean, you got, you got a large fan base behind you. But the problem is, is, like, when he was making the first movie, you know, like, this is the first movie for Lord of the Rings that had come out. I think they had little animation cartoons before that had come out in, like, the you know, late 1900s, but, I mean, Peter Jackson was tasked with bringing this huge world to the screen that had a fan base that had read the books, but it didn't have a fan base that had watched any movies. So in order to bring those fans in and create, you know, a successful cinematic experience, you know, get get enough funding for the next couple movies, he really had to go to the source material and so I think that that it's kind of a choice, you know, like, do I follow the source material and get all the fans on my side so we can get a good opening night for the next movie? Or do I go, quote, woke, get a diverse cast and appease the critics, but fail to get the attention of the fans that are actually going to come see the movie? So I think that that was really what he was faced with when making the movies. So I'm actually I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that... The, cinema, the the films failed more on the gender side or the race side? Um, that's like really, really hard because I feel like it failed on the race side just because it didn't really represent what societies look like today. But I feel like, I don't know, like I feel like it failed more with race than it did gender, but I feel like the show consistently fails with, like, the series consistently fails with gender. Like, it can't, 
appease everyone. Like, a lot of women want better representation, and when they give that to you, like, when you're hoping for something like a big movement for like women's rights and for women representation, you notice the small things that they do to degrade women as well. Like how they were like at the end. I know you talked about like it was just to show that Sauron's the big bad and he can be so deceitful. What it did, it was at the cost of the main female character that they were building up. Couldn't have been at the cost of one of the other male characters. Like it could have been different in their choice to go with bringing down the female character at the expense of the villain was like like any other film I've seen. Well, the way I see it is if you're going to take the mantle of the hero and the main character in the lead role, then you're also going to take the mantle of the person who kind of messes everything up. I think of like Frodo, um... I mean, we were all like... God, he annoys we, me. We, were, we all hated him as soon as we saw him choose Gollum over Sam. And it's like, when you think about, like, when you think about it detached from the situation, we're like, dude, you just chose some weird freaking creature <laughs> that has been like trying to lead you astray this whole time over pretty much like your best friend who has never really led you astray. Like, he is like the best friend you could ask for and you chose some freaking rat over him and that's that just shows you i mean you know you have a little bit of a downfall as the main character you're not perfect you're going to be the person who kind of takes all the blame when you make a bad choice or when shit hits the fan so i think you know i think it was actually kind of realistic for galadriel to maybe have been the cause of sauron's you know like basically, she advanced Sauron's plans unknowingly, but she did that because she was the main character. She was the person involved in it. And can you think of any female characters in the original movies where any sort of choice would have actually even, you know, changed the story? I mean, would if Arwen, if Arwen decided, oh, I don't want to marry Aragorn, I'm going to go have an immortal life, that would have done like nothing to the story. Well, I think that Eowyn was probably been the biggest difference if she wouldn't have gone, the Nazgul wouldn't have been killed. But when you think about it, is that she didn't do it all on her own. She had help from the hobbits. The hobbits, which are male. So in order for her to have her big moment, she needed men to help her achieve that. Like it really just takes takes away from that big moment when you're like, if they didn't stab him first, she wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, she would have died. So yeah, you kind of take away from the independent moment where it could have been, you know, just a woman doing what anybody else could have done. But um, I have to say, in my opinion, I think I think they really messed up gender because in the, doing research on the race, I mean, they were really up against a wall when it came to race. I mean, like, it literally would have been like, if they had done it, it would have been like, like people would have probably hated it much more than they do the Rings of Power now, because you're you're just you're adding something that's like totally not in the story. Whereas with women, I mean, there was Galadriel, there was Eowyn, there was I was was Tariel in the actual books. No, no, she was not. But like the thing is, it's a lot easier to add a woman as a role than it is to add. You know, to take a role that's already there and just change their race. Well, I think the issue really goes back to just Tolkien in general. Because, like, it kind of, as you mentioned, it kind of puts Peter Jackson backed into a wall. But he himself, like, as I mentioned in the very opening of my podcast episode, was that he he created, like, a well-described world. 
in-depth description. And so it becomes so noticeable when when characters lack description. And who are his characters that lack description? Women. That's why it's so noticeable is that because he he did so much world building and described everything in wonderful depth, like when he just falls short on the women, it just becomes so obvious. Yeah, I you know I I see that. You know, like he it's like it's like Peter Jackson starts with some good female characters and then he just like he just it stops there. Like it stops as soon as you could see see it going somewhere. But I guess like my sort of final thoughts on the whole thing would probably be, you know, I think that Tolkien's works are good as a book. You know, like you're gonna go out of your way to read a book and it's gonna be if you read Tolkien's books, they're gonna be very descriptive. They're gonna be it's gonna be you know, it's a huge world to get lost into, which is what it was. The it was like a pioneer of high fantasy, and the thing is, it's like it works when it's a book because instead of seeing, instead of having to describe, oh, this elf was dark skinned or light skinned, it's this elf was prideful and hated dwarves, and was not willing, like Elrond, was not willing to sacrifice his immortality to save mortal men. So I see it as like. When you're describing the differences of races, like he he creates races, but the thing is, is those races are not attached to skin color, and if they are, it's just because that was kind of the or the the place he was surrounded with. You know, he was there was not a lot like Tolkien wasn't surrounded by diversity. He was surrounded by Europeans, white Europeans, so he creates a story that's kind of built off of that. And but the problem is once and he he wrote this book not to be taken as an allegory, and it's fine when it's a book, you know? Your imagination can do the work for you. I mean, if you're reading the book and you want to imagine the hobbits is black, you can go right ahead and do that, and no one's gonna have a problem with that. Books use your imagination to create a fulfilling story, but then when you create a movie, it's not such a, it's, it can't be that way. Your actors are a set skin color, and people who watch that, you know, maybe we'll talk about, we'll, we'll say, like, if I was watching Tolkien, I see all the white characters in the world that I can be like, I want to be like Legolas. Legolas is a badass. But the thing is, if you're, if you're maybe like a black youth and you're watching Lord of the Rings, only person you're going to see that looks remotely like you is the big bad orc. So it sort of becomes this thing where it, yeah, Tolkien, you don't want your book to be an allegory, that's fine. But when your movie comes out, if you have everybody, all the good people is white and all the bad people is black, I mean, you don't get to control how people see that. It's That's how it looks. Yeah. I think you wrapped it up pretty well. So... I think that that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I think that does bring it all together and wrap it up for our project, analyzing race and gender in Lord of the Rings. And thank you guys for listening. And yeah.